0: Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Come on, somebody. Let's praise the Lord this morning. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth to a rainy Sunday morning and afternoon. Amen? Amen? For his mercy endureth to the point of which my calamity has encroached upon. Amen? His mercy is good, isn't it? It's good to see everyone this morning. Welcome to Living Hope. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to turn in our Bibles to guess where? Matthew Matthew chapter 5. Brother Matt told me, you know, every Sunday this is like the 75th thousandth lesson on the Beatitudes. And Brother Matt, I'm exaggerating by 74,990. And Brother Matt says, you know, every every week you say, let's turn to verse 3 and then you start reading at verse 1. So I've actually... I've got one lesson left after this lesson, possibly, and I'm going to get it right two Sundays out of, what, we started January, right, Beatitudes, so we're going to to have some good attitudes around here eventually, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, and seeing the multitude, he, speaking of Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for... of heaven, Amen. Turn to your neighbor today and ask him: Do you have a great attitude? Do you have a mature attitude? Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We, uh, I've started all of these lessons probably with a little bit of a recap, and um, and this morning I want to do pretty much the same thing. The first. And the last beatitude, some of you like man, brother Roberts, I know this by heart by now. I'm hoping so. That really is the the purpose of what I'm trying to achieve here. The first and the last beatitude, we we talked at length about the challenges. Each one of these blessings has with it a specific challenge and attitude that we can achieve. And we talked about how that blessing is equated or equal to maturity. My my blessing is is really going to be based upon my maturity, my attitude. How many of you have ever had an immature attitude? Right? I can't get everything off the ground at once, uh, so I got, you know, my fingers are, are, are working as well. And so Jesus, in his first and great sermon, spends the time to help us with our attitude because attitude is everything. I used to tell my children, it's not what you said to me, it's how you said it. Any, any, any parents in the house, right? Right? Uh, and, and so that's really what it is. And so we're talking about these challenges, and now we have worked our way around over all of these months with multi, multi, multiplied interruptions. We've worked our way back around to the to the benefits or to the blessings or the promises. And so each one has a specific challenge for my attitude, and each one has a specific blessing that if my attitude gets to that point, if I mature and again, again, that perspective, then that blessing will naturally be a part of my life. And so very excited about that. And so the first and the last attitude or B-attitude have the same promise attached to them. That if we attain these two specific attitudes, if we gain this level of maturity, then ultimately the greatest promise in the Bible, the entire Bible, right? Jesus said this, theirs. Ours is the kingdom of God. Of heaven. The greatest benefit you will ever achieve, the greatest thing that you could ever get out of this life with is heaven. Amen? Amen? It, it really is. And so this promise of the benefit of the kingdom of heaven was tied to two specific attitudes. Those who are poor in spirit. Now I know, but a lot of us know what it's like to be poor in pocketbook, right? But even the poor can have a, <clears throat> a haughty spirit, a rich spirit, right? a proud arrogant spirit but that poor in spirit right is is coming to that place that 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 I understand without any doubt that I have no ability whatsoever to change my spiritual right my spiritual direction I can't do anything for myself I know our world believes that they can save themselves, that we can achieve lots through science and medicine. That's all great and fine, but none of that stuff will get you to heaven, right? But you've got to surrender yourself and say, I am a sinner and I am in need of God. That's the only type of attitude that's going to put you in a, in a qualification for the kingdom of heaven. And so we talked about that, we talked about that one, and also the, 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 the last beatitude, the one that Brother Roberts told you he just does not like, and that is those people that I can't wrap my mind around who are willing to suffer, right? I told you I've never seen a line outside the suffering office lined up, oh, please let me suffer. Because right? you're just like me. You're like, what are you talking about? But the, the reality, and we talked about this challenge, is it's not just those that are willing to suffer, but those that are willing to suffer for righteousness sake, for the kingdom of God's sake. And when it comes to that, if we will achieve these challenges, when we get to that point, we will be like those men and women of old who laid down their lives for the sake of the gospel. It's hard for us to understand right now how or why someone would do such a thing, right? I mean, you know, if I if I've got a way to run, I'm gonna run. Oh you're not? Y'all looking at me like yeah you go no. I, I can still run pretty good. I just don't corner as well. I'm a little top heavy these days. So but don't get in my way when I'm running because my brakes don't work and I just really don't turn well. Just, just, just a bit of advice there, okay? And so we talked about that. Those that are willing to suffer for the sake of righteousness. That's really important. The next benefit or the next blessing was, was comfort. We know that God is a God of comfort, right? We talked about the many different ways that God comforts us. But the ultimate comfort, the greatest single comfort that any person can ever receive is the knowledge that every sin they've ever committed is under the blood of Jesus Christ. What greater comfort is there than knowing that, right? Every fault, every failure, every single thing, everything in my life that would disqualify me as a candidate for heaven is under the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's, a, that's the greatest comfort you will ever have, right? I mean, there are a lot of things that we do and like for comfort, but nothing could ever exceed the comfort that comes into that soul. And I'm going very quickly through these. Then we talked about blessed are the meek, Right? In an arrogant and overwhelmingly rude world, it's a challenge just to remain humble, right? Uh, it, it really is. I, I, I have a hard time even in the media watching things that are said and done to remain humble. It's, it's difficult. It's a challenge. But we talked about that. The, the challenge was, was followed with a great promise or a great benefit for they shall inherit the earth. And we began to dig into this and we found that they're not going to inherit a piece of dirt. That word that is used there for earth is not really, it's not like terra firma, but it's a place, it was more so described in the Greek as an arena. It's the place where you live. It's the, it's the life that you live. And so this is talking about our victory. And we understand this, right? That the meek, right? Moses was the meekest man on the earth. And how hard was that for Moses to write that? Moses wrote of his own self that he was the meekest man to ever live, right? And yet that's true because God told him that. And God would testify that he was the meekest man. But Moses was a great man. He wasn't a weak man. He was a great man. And what happened was Moses was victorious in everything that he did. And so we can, we, that, that's, that's the benefit, right? That, that whatever you do, if you can maintain a meek attitude according to the Word of God, you're going to have an area of victory in your life. Does that mean everything's going all right? Does that mean everything's perfect? No, no. That means that no matter what's going on in my world, I've still got victory in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's an amazing benefit, isn't it? What a, what a great benefit. When I signed up at my job, they didn't tell me about that benefit because they didn't offer it, Right? And so these 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 first 3 that we talked about being poor in spirit, right? And 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 mourning over our sin and and, and obviously uh, the challenge of being meekness, they're designed to empty us out. They're designed to empty out the the effects and the ramifications of our humanity and, and by, nat- by nature when when after church when when I'm empty when that donut I had for breakfast that has already implanted itself in my, my, my midsection, when, I, when, I, when that thing is through filling my life, I will be empty. And the natural result is what? I'm going to be hungry. And so that the next challenge was to be hungry for the presence of God, to be hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so we talked about that. What a great challenge that is to always be able to have. That's a mature attitude that you don't come to church full. It's hard to do that, right? It's hard to, right? You ever been to somebody's house and you just ate dinner and they're like, you want something to eat? And you're like, "Uh, sorry, I'm full, right? I've never gone to a buffet full. I've got evidence of that, okay? I I don't, you know, and, and there are people that come to church and they're so full Of themselves and of other things that they're not hungry for the things of God and so he said there has to be a hunger and we talked about this as a challenge it's it matters how you come David went into the house of the Lord into the presence of God hungry and and we talked about the blessing the blessing was they shall be filled and we think we're going to get filled with all these blessings and benefits that's not what we're being filled with we're being filled with the righteousness of God that only comes by faith in Jesus Christ can you imagine that God takes out all of, all, all of the haughtiness and arrogance and all of the things in our lives, and he replaces it with a hunger and a desire for his presence, all right? And Paul, Paul said that. He said that I might be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ. And we talked about how, how Isaiah said "Ho." Stop right there. Pay attention, right? He he told us, everyone that thirsty, you can come to the waters and you can purchase. You don't have to have money. You can buy. You can get it without cost. Why? Because it's the righteousness of God. And so last week we looked at mercy. And the key, we said, to be to becoming a merciful person is to be become a broken person. Now the world doesn't want to be broken. They want to be they want to be proud and arrogant. They don't want to be broken, but there is a tremendous blessing in being broken just in the presence of God. And so we talked about mercy is the power to show, you get the, the power to show mercy, right? When you have the right or even the privilege to do harm or, or to punish someone, mercy is holding, withholding that judgment. And I'm so thankful that God does that in my life, aren't you? But we went a little bit further and said we get the power to show mercy from the feeling that's in the heart that I owe everything, that you owe everything that you are and that you have to the divine mercy of an almighty God. If you want to know, we talked about where mercy comes from. Mercy comes from God. What He loved us while we were still sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. That was me. That was you, right? And that's where mercy comes from. And so mercy—what the blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is the only beatitude. Is that you get what you give, right? There's there's an equality there. If you don't have mercy, you won't get mercy. Thank God he, he gave you, right, to every man is given a measure of grace, right? Grace and mercy work hand in hand together. And so the challenge and the blessing are the same thing. The difference is you receive one and you give one. And so the opposite of mercy, we talked about last week. Jesus said, I would have sacrifice, I would have mercy rather than sacrifice, right? And so he prefers an attitude or a spirit of, of mercy. And so the Pharisees, Jesus used the, mat- the, the metaphor that they were choking on a gnat. Anybody ever swallow a bug? That's just gnat it is, right? <coughs> it's horrible, right? And Jesus said, you 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 strain, you choke over a gnat, but at the same time you swallow a camel whole. I can't even pray, I can't even put a picture in my mind of somebody putting a camel in their mouth. I mean, I got to go back to B.C. and think it's a cigarette or something because because I can't imagine somebody could He was using a metaphor. He was talking about that, and he he talked about that, and we talked about the the eyes of mercy, right? There are those eyes, and Jesus went to great length to explain to us that they they were looking at these insignificant things. My mother would say it this way, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Anybody's mama said that, right? My mama said a lot of things, some of them I can't say here, but but understand it, they were taking the insignificant things of the law, and they were making them so big, but they were, they were looking at the things that were really important, like mercy, right? They were looking at those things like it didn't matter. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't put any focus on those. And Jesus said, that, that, listen, our attitude has to be the one that he, Jesus said, you should have done one and the other. You can't leave anything out. And so that attitude is a mature attitude. And, and sometimes it's easy for us to get excited about what's going on and miss out on the things of God. But we said about mercy that there were, there were four things that we gave in the heart of mercy. One, it sees to stress. Mercy has eyes to it. It sees someone in distress, and it responds. The second one, it responded in compassion. And then, thirdly, real, true mercy responds also, not just with compassion, but also with effort, right? And the fourth thing that we said about mercy is that even acts when a person in need is an enemy. It's a difficult place to be, right? You know, know, all of those people walk by on the other side of the road because that was a Samaritan They recognized him as a Samaritan, someone that they, the Levite and the priest, didn't want to have anything to do with, and they walked right on by. I think somebody wrote a song about that, right? And so this week, before we dig into the, the next blessing or the next benefit, I want us to maybe help out just a little bit. turn with me to Matthew chapter five verse 20. And I want, to, I want to give you the theme. Now, probably brother Plager, I'm a little bit late on this. Because I've been teaching this since the first week of January on and off off and off and off and on again. Um, And now I'm going to give you the theme to the greatest sermon ever preached, right? Here's what he says. Here's what Jesus says in verse 20. He said, for I say unto you that except your, turn to your neighbor and say, "my my righteousness. Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So this is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached in all of humanity, right? And Jesus is really wanting to achieve true righteousness in us. That's what he wants us to get, true righteousness opposed to false righteousness. Anybody ever been wrong about something? But you were adamant that you were right, right? And you were, you were convinced that you were right. And even when you were proved wrong, you still weren't sure. Come on. Right, I mean, you were gonna go down fighting. I mean, uh nah, uh uh uh. Oh, you right? And that, that's that's the scribes and Pharisees. Even when they heard the greatest sermon ever preached to humanity, they were like, uh uh, uh uh. We ain't doing that's not right because this sermon isn't just these few verses in Matthew chapter five. It's the greatest sermon, and so the theme of this is the purpose of this sermon is that our righteousness becomes true righteousness. That's really what needs to happen, right? Because my righteousness, right? The writer said, "My our righteousness is as." filthy rags. It's completely worthless before the Lord. And so we've got to have his righteousness. So why why would Jesus spend the time to help us? Well, one, so that we'd have the right righteousness, right? But also it's important to remember that the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the models and the teachers of the things of God. They were the ones who were modeling how it was to live godly. Oh, Lord, help them poor people, right? Jesus usually greeted them with words like, Hypocrites, snakes, vipers, right? You bunch of vipers. That's not really the warmest greeting. I know when Pastor steps up here at 11 o'clock, he's not going to say, Welcome to church, you bunch of vipers. No, probably not. It's not the way that you build a congregation, right? And so for one of the reasons, as the scribes and Pharisees, one of the reasons they hated Jesus so much is that in in his first message, his first opportunity to get the microphone, he gets up on the hill and he sits down and he begins to expose how shallow and how deceitful they really are. So let's get into Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This challenge is a tremendous challenge in any era, in any time, to be pure in heart. The pure in heart, we said this, I'm not even sure when we taught the lesson now, but the pure in heart have a single focus. Their love is not divided. John said it's impossible, right, for us to love the things of the world and love God as well. He said it's, it's just not natural, it's impossible. Here's what James says about it in James chapter 1, verse 8. He says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Anybody ever been unstable? Right. Sometimes by accident, sometimes on purpose. None of y'all ever lived life before Jesus Christ. Some of y'all I know haven't, but that's, but unstable. And so that's, that's really a divided focus. And this is what he's talking about. And so we, we cannot love God and we cannot love the world as well. We can't love God and love mammon as well. Jesus said you're going to hate one and love the other or love one and hate the other. It's just impossible. And so the challenge for us was of having a pure heart with checking my own heart. Or let me put it in a better term, challenging my own attitude. How many of you just love it when somebody challenges your attitude? Anybody? I you don't like that, do you? Well, let me give you the answer. Challenge your own attitude, and they won't have to. I remember it's been probably a couple of decades ago now. I was at work one time, and something wasn't going the way that I thought it should go. And I was upset. Anybody? I'm the only one. Some of you said, I just can't see you upset, Brother Roberts. <laughs> that vein starts popping out right here. My eyes get a little bit bulgy. Henry said he's seen it, Right? And, and, and I, I remember, I was, and there was it was in a group of people, and I mean, I was terribly upset, and, and I was showing my emotion how upset I was about what was going on. I don't even remember what it was about, but I remember this guy looked at me and said, what type of a Christian attitude is that? Maddie, it, it, was, it was a long time ago, and I have been to an altar several times, and I'm praying somehow God will forgive me someday, but I... Did one of those, But James and I said, What would you know about a Christian? Anything <laughs> no pure in heart, no mourning over sin, no seek. All. That's why I didn't preach this sermon back then or teach these lessons back then. I'm I'm trying, Sister Lawrence, I'm trying to do better now, right? But you've been there. Be honest. Okay, And and so it is a challenge, right? It, It is a challenge, but checking your attitude, nobody else really can do that for you because when somebody checks your attitude for you, your natural response, my natural response is to become defensive. Oh, thank you for pointing that out. I so appreciate you calling me out in front of God and everybody. No, no, said no one ever, right? And so it's difficult in our world in our humanity to remain pure in heart why because because what i what what i want what i think and how i feel doesn't always line up with what jesus wants what jesus thinks and how jesus feels that's why we come to church hello so somebody could come and tell us again how Jesus thinks and how Jesus feels and what Jesus wants, right? And so what I'm saying, Brother Trey, is my perspective, my attitude, doesn't always fall in line with God and God's word. Now I know some of you halo-wearing angels that are here this morning. Y'all just need to pray for Brother Roberts because you're way holier than I am. But but we said this that the challenge of the pure in heart begins with three specific things. One, they have to be sincere. You can't be pure in heart without sincerity. Now, there have been times that I have been sincerely wrong. And I have been sincerely mad. Brother Jr., I've been sincerely bad. Come on, right? Uh, and, and, right? And then the second thing is it has to be, on, it has to be sincerity. The, 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 the second attribute is, is honesty, right? And, and there have been times that I've been honestly mad. Honestly upset, and honestly had the wrong attitude, right? And then there, the third one is probably the rub of, of all three of those because we believe in sincerity and honesty, but the third one was a lack of hypocrisy. It's hard to be sincerely mad and honestly upset and not have a little bit of hypocrisy. It, it just really is, Right? And so here's the deal, understand this, and I'm going to get to the blessing here in a moment. But he said, blessed is the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so there's an order to this challenge and blessing. All of them obviously have that. First, there has to be a purifying of the heart before you can see God. First, we got to meet the challenge before you get the prize. Anybody? right and so what are you saying i'm saying you change your life by changing your attitude you change your life by changing your heart you that's how that's how it works that's what that's what the, the bible says and so how do we do that that's the question this morning that in the remainder of our time i want to talk about well first we admit our sin that's being poor in spirit i am a sinner I need your grace God I cannot I cannot change my spiritual destiny at all right We get saved we come to an altar and we repent We ask God's forgiveness. We get in that beautiful, warm, baptismal tank, and we get baptized, calling on the name of Jesus, washing away every sin, and we allow the Lord to fill us with his precious presence, right? Evidence by speaking with other tongues. That's the Holy Ghost. We understand that. We get that. We grasp that, right? So we're confessing. This is how this works. We confess in our weakness, and we receive strength. You say, I'm sorry. You find forgiveness. That's the emptying process that we're talking about in those first three Beatitudes. Then there's that hunger that's born there, that positive thing, that desire for something that's more. Now here's the thing. When people come in and they they, they follow that poor in spirit, they mourn over their sin, they humble themselves to the place where God saves them and they can come in and confess their sins and they can repent, they can get baptized, they can get filled with the Holy Ghost. If they don't begin to feel that emptiness, because there's an emptying out process. If we don't begin to feel that with something that is born of faith, well, that's where righteousness comes from. Abraham believed God, and it was imputed. It was encountered to him as faith. If we don't fill that with faith, then what we're going to fill it with something else. Yeah. Now, I am a dyed-in-the-wool until Jesus changes something diabetic. Got to give myself shots, got to monitor my blood sugar. And my wife knows if she don't put something in front of me, I'm going to be in that pantry eating if she don't get the right stuff in me, I, honestly, she knows. I told her, don't bring it in the house. She brings it in the house anyway because all those grandkids got to have something to eat. And there's candy and chips and all that stuff that I can't have, right? Because they're, they're not right for me. They're bad for me. But she knows if she, if she, Brother Trey, when I come home, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? What can I, why? Because she knows if she don't get something right in me, I'm going to get something wrong. And that's what happens to so many people. They come in and they empty themselves out and they're not filled with something with faith. That's what happens to us in our everyday life. We, come, we you know, We come into church and we hear a great message and we empty ourselves out, but we don't fill that emptiness with faith that's going to bring righteousness, and we go out and we begin to fill it with all kinds of come on, come on. I know I'm right. You can say, come on, because I'm, I, I know where I'm talking about right now, because we all do it. You may not be a diabetic, but you're in that cabinet going, oh, I, I'm on Netflix and Hulu and voodoo and boo-boo and everything else, and, and I'm consuming everything That I know I shouldn't because I'm not consuming the right thing that's going to build my faith. I'm preaching to the choir, but there are a lot of folks that should be right here this morning filling their lives with the Word of God. Right? Why? Because they're too busy. They're consumed with something else. Their focus is divided. Their heart is no longer pure. The amplified, the amplified says it this way, blessed, anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature are the pure in heart. I'm reading Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 from the, from the Amplified. He said, those with integrity, those with moral courage, those with godly character, for they will see God. C.S. Lewis, the great writer, said it this way, on some level, he says, we're afraid that heaven is a bribe. At some level, we're afraid that heaven isn't real and that if we make heaven our goal, we will no longer be disinterested. We'll no longer be unbiased or impossible. But he, he continues by saying, it is not so. Heaven... According to C.S. Lewis, authors, nothing that a mercenary, covetous, money-grubbing heart the soul can desire. It is safe, he says, to tell the pure in heart that they shall see God because only the pure in heart will actually want to. Amen. Wow. How do I know my heart's pure? What do you want today? Right. How do I know that I'm sincere and honest and that right, I'm lacking his hypocrisy? What did you come for today? Well, I came to make sure pastor saw me here today. I'm sorry. Was that a little bit of hypocrisy? Well, I came today because I didn't want somebody to know that I, was, that I wasn't doing very good. Is that a little bit of dishonesty? I, I, I'm, I'm talking about where, where we're living at, right? But here's my rub. Here's my problem. Because those that have a pure heart, they shall see God. But Brother Sherwood, as I began to look in the Bible, I began to find verses like this in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 33, verse 20. And he said, Moses said, God, let me see your face. He said, thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and survive. Ain't nobody going to live. I said, oh, well, that, that's, that's an Old Testament thing. So let's go to the New Testament, John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, no man has seen God at any time. So what, what, what's going on here? I got a promise that if I'm pure in heart, I shall see God, but I'm in the Word, and the Word says no man can see God because God's a spirit. My, my head scratching started, right? And see, so here's what I'm going to tell you this morning, is that there's no error in the Word of God, and you understand that. So seeing God has more to do with your perspective the same word that I used recently for attitude, then it does your vision. Now, I am just shy of 56 years old, and I have never heard the audible voice of God. I've never seen an angel, and I've never seen God that I know of, an angel, all right? I have never seen God. God is not, Brother James, he's not manifested himself in my prayer closet. He hasn't even gotten in front of my vehicle and stopped it from crashing. I, I haven't seen God. And so I'm looking at the word, and I'm going, wait a minute. But I know all of this stuff about God, so I went to my fir- my favorite writer, Brother Merriam Webster, and he said this about perspective. He said perspective is the capacity to view things in their true relations and their relative importance. Uh, uh, what's you talking about, Brother Webster? He said my my perspective is my capacity to view or to see things in the true relationship, and in relative importance. And so here's what I'm saying. A lot of people have a really good God view, or let me put it a different way. They've got a great God opinion, but they don't have a true godly perspective. I'm telling you, I know people that they quote verses out of the Bible, and God said, but they don't know who God is. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be mean. They don't know the God that I know. I'm talking, I'm talking, bro, about people that spend more time in prayer, more time in study, and they still believe there are three gods. You follow what I'm saying? Why? Because there's something wrong. There, there's some sincerity missing. There's some bit of, uh, there's some bit of honesty missing somewhere. There's some hypocrisy that's come in, and their heart doesn't have a single focus. That heart is divided. It becomes unstable, and they're stumbling. That's what Jesus said, right? He said, "Let the blind lead the blind, and they'll both fall into this." They're stumbling at the word. That's that's what the Bible says about that, right? And so, let me give you here uh, some things about seeing God or having a God aspect, because they come in. Two ways. There's a, there's a present perspective and there's a future perspective. In the present per, uh, perspective, that's easy for me to say, perspective, right? The pure in heart see God through creation. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 19. I, I just love this. I've read this so many times and, and I've, I just kind of looking at it a little bit differently. David says it this way the, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Now, notice this day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Verse 3 says, There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Whose voice? He said, Day's uttering today. And he goes on to talk about, obviously, night's uttering tonight. And he said, The heavens are declaring the glory of God here's what I'm saying. I'm saying the pure see God in creation. David said, listen, there's no speech or language where the glory of God cannot be heard. There's no circumstance of life where we can't see God in action, right? And that's what he saying. Listen, the, the impure, the people that have an impure heart, they don't see God anywhere, but the pure see God in creation, right? Look at Psalms chapter 29. Flip over a couple of, a couple of chapters here. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, starting in verse 7. The voice of the Lord, this is David. He's, he sees this big storm. He's watching a storm, and he says this about the storm The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. You just thought it was thunder and lightning. David said, No, no, I've got a pure heart, and I'm seeing this as the voice of God. Verse 8 The voice of the Lord makes barren the wilderness or makes the barren wilderness quake, and the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists up the mighty oak, sounds like a tornado to me, and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone shouts glory. The Lord rules over the floodwaters. Here's what we don't understand. We see that great storm happening. David said, no, 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 you need to understand. The pure in heart see God in that. But when I see a tornado coming, I, I'm driving the other way. I'm, i I get on a bicycle if I had to. I, I'm going. But David was watching this great tempest. And he says, you know, this is the voice of God. But he even goes further than that. He says God reigns as king forever, right? And so he's seeing and experiencing God in a storm. And so how do, the, how do the pure see God? They see God in creation, right? I, 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 like, to, I like the outdoors. Anybody like the outdoors? Now, now, my, my good fishing buddy, Brother Vahaska, is home, and so it would not be fair for me not to pick on him, but Brother Vahaska don't like to get up early and go fishing. Now, I, I like to get up at crack of dawn, but I, I got to get a pry bar, a big one, to get him out of bed to get out there at the crack of dawn. I love to watch the sun come up, and I love to watch the sun go down. Now, Brother Vahaska, he's okay with the sun going down, but he don't want to be there at the crack of dawn. I, I ain't mad at him most of the time, but I'm just going to tell on him because that's the truth. But here's the thing. Sometimes we, we don't appreciate what it is we see. And, Brother Vahaska, I'm trying to help you, bro. I'm trying to help you appreciate the rising of the sun. He's got the evening, but the morning's not so much. But you understand what I'm saying? Here, Look, David said, I see God and all of this stuff, and here's the thing: we get so busy with life. Oh man, better get inside; it's getting dark. Wait a minute, you just might be missing. Oh, oh no, no, we, we, I'm gonna get my sweetheart, and we're gonna walk out and set the sunset. No, you're missing the point. The sunset's not really about your sweetheart. I, I know, I know. I'm I, I. Hallmark is gonna send me a card now, saying you got to stop this. But the sunset is really. the sunset is about the glory of God, the rising of the sun. You've got to be able to see God in everything. And so David says this. He says, I can see God in everything. Psalms 139 verse 14, a familiar voice. He said, I will praise thee. David's getting old. David's, getting, David's an old man now. He's got an imperfect aging body. And David says it this way. He says, I'll praise thee. for Why? Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, when was the last time that anybody here looked at your aging body, the decrepitness of age, all of the issues that go along with it, and you said, my God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We'd rather go to the doctor and go, can you fix this? Here's a Band-Aid, right? Here's another pill. You understand what I'm saying? David looked at all of this and he said, marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth right well. Understand what David's, David looked at himself, and David is no longer the giant killer. David's no, David's an elder. He's an old man. Now, he's probably, he's not, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of got that little hitch in his giddy up. He ain't walking like he used to. And no cowboys in the house. Y'all don't have hitches in your giddy-up? That's fine. I'll forgive you because you're, I'm, I'm trying to get your, your heart pure this morning. See, only the pure have this type of heart. Only the pure can really begin to see God. The pure in heart see God in imperfect things. We think we got to come to church and everything's got to be just perfect. And we ought we to do our best to have the best church we can. But sometimes the imperfect things are the great things. You know what? It's not so here, but I've seen churches, they get mad at kids that would come down front. No, 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 no. Jesus said let the little children come. Why? Because they're not going to do it the way that we do it. They don't have their Pentecostal praise just right. They don't have, listen, they're going to do their, their little things, but that's an imperfect thing. And we've got to see that God is drawing them no matter what their age or their ability or their cognitive You you understand that? And that's what he's saying, right? And so let's go a little bit further. The disciples were scared. They're they're out there and something about their future was, was upsetting them. And Jesus says to them, did you not see the lilies of the field this morning, how God clothed them? Did you not see the birds of the air, how God fed them today? What are you worried about? Don't you know that God's even going to do more for you? And we look at our circumstance and we say, oh my, what am I going to do? That's, a rough, that's an impure heart. Why? Because now I'm not being honest with myself. I don't really trust God if I've got worry. I'm not really... That's a little bit of hypocrisy if I come to the house of God and say, I believe in God, I trust in God, and I walk to my, I'll get in the front door of my house and go, what am I going to do? How? Am I? Listen, the pure in heart are focused on God, and they believe that God will come through even at the last moment of time. Amen. Amen. Does that mean I can't do nothing about my situation? No, no, no. But it means I've got to, well, I've got to make sure that my focus is in the right place. I got to go to work every day. I got to earn a living. I got I to gotta work a job. I got to do the things I'm supposed to do. But you know what? At the end of the day, I got to know who's clothing, who, who made those lilies up this morning. Who fed those birds today? Who's taking care of me at the end of the day? Why? Because I went back here and I was filled with some righteousness that said, I've not seen the, what? I've not seen the righteous forsaken. I've not seen them begging. I'm in the book this morning. And what are you saying? Well, yeah, I, I just didn't see God in all those things. Why? Because your heart's divided. It's, a, it's, it's an unstable thing. It's, why are some people struggling to live for God? Why? Because there's an instability because they're not seeing God in every situation and circumstance of their life. Let me move on. I'm getting ahead of myself here. The second way that we see the pure in heart, the pure in heart see God in this present aspect is in their own circumstances. No matter how bad, no matter how difficult, no matter how utterly negative, are the pure in heart see God in their situation. Now, listen. When you talk to someone who's in the fire, it won't take very long to figure out whether they got a pure heart or they got a multi. Right? Listen, we're in a multi-talent, we're a multitasking world, right? We can do multiple things at once, and, and it's so easy, right? Look at Joseph. Joseph, after Jacob died, his father died, right? And, and he's he's there, and and all of a sudden. His brothers are scared to death. uh Oh, what's Joseph going to do? Dad, 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 he's gone on to be with the Lord, and and, and you know he's going to treat us so harshly. This is going to happen. But look at Joseph's Joseph's response. Genesis chapter fifty, verse twenty. But as for you, uh oh, you ever had those conversations? Seems like we just got to that point. But as for you, my evil brethren, right? I added that part for you. You thought evil against me, but God, what? God meant it for good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Here, here's the thing you, you got to get this. Joseph had a pure heart. He was honest, he was sincere, he lacked hypocrisy. And even though he had a great dream and that dream seemed to be completely blown up by the actions of his brothers, here he is, the focused man of God who looks at his brothers who are going, "Uh uh-oh, Joseph is going to finally, oh yeah, this is going to be bad. Joseph is going to, he's going to rub us out. He's calling the Guido and the boys, they're going to bring some pipes and some pliers. Come on they, they all, all kinds of craziness was going on in their mind. They're like, uh-oh, this is done now. He, he didn't want to do nothing while Daddy was alive, but Daddy's gone, and this is, we're in trouble now. And Joseph said, no, no, you, you don't get this. You get, why? Because the pure in heart see God in their situation. Even if it's negative, even if it's not what they want, even if it's not, they can see God. Where others might have doubted God, where others may have said, God has forsaken me, or God's mad at me, or God's wounds. Not Joseph. Joseph said, no, I, I, I've got eyes that can see God. Amen. You know, so understand, this is a challenge. This is a real challenge to be pure in heart. Because if you're not pure in heart, when the storm comes, and sweetheart, it will come. When the trial comes, it is on its way. I'm not a prophet, the son of a prophet, or nothing else. But life is going to come at you. And if you don't have a pure heart, you will not see God in your situation. You won't do it. Look at Job. Job is another man that did the same thing, right? Even after he lost all, he lost his entire family, lost his home, lost all of his wealth. And Job, in Job 121 declares, naked came, I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I go back. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Well, what's that last phrase? Blessed be the name. What? That's a mature attitude. That's an attitude that's going to bring blessing into life. Why? Because to Job, the blessings and the trials came from the same place. They came from the hand of God. But if you read a little bit further in Job chapter 19, verse 26, he said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. And he shall, what? He shall stand at the latter day on the earth, and those skin worms destroy this body. Even if it kills me, yet in my flesh I shall see. I'm gonna see God. He had a God perspective, he could see God in his situation. God was in the middle of his circumstance. Job didn't have a place. He didn't have an equation in, work, in life that God was not a part of. He did not. He could not, right? And so here's the thing. God declared Job to be a righteous man. You can't get righteous until you're empty, Right? That means that means he had to be poor in spirit. He had to be mournful over sin. That means, right, he had he had to have all of, he had to be a meek man. And he had to be filled with, and God said he's a man of faith. He's filled with righteousness. And so God was not worried that no matter what the devil did to Job, that Job would not lose his focus. Job would not would not begin to look into why? Because that that double-minded man, that one who loses focus, he job's not going to become unstable. Job's not going to falter. And Job is now uh, 19 verses into this whole 19 chapters into this horrible tragedy. He says, you know what? I shall see God. God is in this, right? Now we know the story, right? Job's second half was much greater than his first half. And so the unrighteous, the impure of heart, they can only see the one who hurt them, what was done to them. But the big picture that comes with maturity, the big picture that comes with having a right attitude is it's not all about me. Stephen stoned. Not like the world gets stoned, but they were throwing rocks at him until he was dead. Acts chapter 7, verse 56, the the, the King James says, behold, but the, the new King James says, look, here's what Stephen said. Stephen was a man of focus, Man, a, a man of a pure heart. He was honest. He was sincere. He didn't have any hypocrisy. And he said, look, I, I see the heavens open, and I see the Son of Man. I see, I see the Lord, right? I see God standing. I see Jesus standing right there, right, at the right hand of God, at the power and the authority, right? And so we understand this. We, we grasp this. We know, right, Romans 8, 20, all things work together. And the pure in heart can accept that and understand that what's going on in their life, God is in that situation, the third way in this present aspect that we see God, right? That we can see God is in worship. The purer our hearts, the more we're going to experience God. As we listen, as we study the word, we get in there and we pray, we begin to serve, we do those things, right? But when the pure in heart read their Bible, they're not they're not just reading a book. Listen to me now, I know I'm running out of time here, but the pure in heart are not just reading a book, they're reading the Word of God. And to them, every time they open that Bible and they begin to read what it says right there, when they begin to read that passage, it's not just a book, it's not just some words, but it begins to speak to them. The pure in heart, every time they come to Sunday school and the teacher gets up, doesn't matter who it is, they begin to teach the Word. That Word is not just the Word, it's the Word speaking to them. The pure in heart, when they come into a worship service and the preacher gets up and whether he begins to read their mail or preach some, some great message that stirs their soul, doesn't matter. What does it matter? He's not just preaching the word, he's speaking the word of God to them. Why? Because there's sincerity and honesty and a lack of hypocrisy and they're focused. God is going to speak to me today. But the unstable, the unfocused are coming in going, I sure hope he preaches something I like today. I sure hope he gets a job. Oh my goodness, I couldn't stand that boring lesson last week. Why? Because it's impure to them. And they can't see God. But the pure come in, and it doesn't matter if we got a 12-year-old up here giving their first little talk in front of the... Listen, they're receiving something from God. It doesn't matter if we got the third grade, the eight-year-olds in here, and they're going, you know what? I'm here to receive from God. It doesn't matter who the preacher is because they've got a focus, and they're not, they're not doing this. They're not wavering. They're not... Let's go a little step further. The pure in heart. When they're asked to serve, they do it. And they can't serve enough. They can serve and serve and serve and serve and serve and serve. And, serve. and you can't ask too much of them. Why? Because they've got to focus. Why? Because what they see God in cleaning the building or mowing the grass or cleaning the toilet. They see God in whatever I'm doing. God's there. Why? Because I've been asked to do it as part of the kingdom. But the impure, oh my God, I think all these people here, they can find somebody else to clean the toilet. Hear what I'm telling you. The impure, it's so easy to see where their heart is. The impure can't wait to get out. But the pure, remember I told you this, it matters how you come. The pure can't wait to get in. It's a different perspective. I remember being a little boy, I think I told this before. They said there was a difference. I grew up out in Utah for a long time, and there were two factions, the Mormons and the Catholics. Then they said the Mormons, when they went to church, they parked their car facing the building, but the Catholics all backed in. Why? Why? It was an attitude. Does it matter how you park? It doesn't matter, but they were expressing that there's an attitude. The Catholics wanted to come and do their bit and get out. The Mormons wanted to come and stay and be a part of what was going on. I don't know about you, but I want to come. I backed in today, but my attitude is right. I would have pulled him, but somebody was in my spot. <laughs> but the pure in heart, they don't lose their focus because a trial happens. But I watched so many people, Brother Sherwood, here's what they do, they begin to stumble. They begin to falter. Give me that verse, this is James chapter four, verse eight. They begin to falter. They begin to stumble. Why? Because they lose their focus. They can't see God. The pure in heart, see God in everything. No matter what's going on, I can see God. I got tuberculosis. God's going to deal. God's going to heal me from that. I got cancer. God's going to heal me. Why they see God in it, but the impure? Oh, I stubbed my toe. Oh God, what am I going to do? Here's what James said: Draw nigh to God. This is what the pure do, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands. Listen to this, ye sinners and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I started with James chapter 1, verse 8. An uns- uh, what? A double-minded man is unstable. I'm going one step further. Do you know who is unstable? Sinners. Because sin always divides your focus. Sin always gets your mind and your heart off the things of God hear this preacher this morning. I'm talking to somebody in this house. Well, I don't understand why I don't have the same desire. There's sin. I don't understand why I don't have the same focus. There's likely some sin. I don't understand why I'm just falling so much. Why? I'm tripping. There's sin somewhere in the heart because it's a heart issue. It's a perspective. I I don't understand why I'm having an ability. I I can't feel the presence of God. I can't see God in this. Uh, There's sin because he said cleanse your hearts. Ye sinners, and purify your heart, right? Cleanse your hands and purify your heart. Why? Because the double minded man is always unstable. I've watched Bishop. Love my Bishop. But I've watched him, had the opportunity to watch him over the years. I'm sure Pastor could attest this. When he can't feel God, he begins to pray. God, what have I done? He has a list. Did I, do, did I not do something? Did I do something? Did I not do something? Why? Because He knows why. That something's diverted my focus. I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling God like I should. I'm not sensing God. Why? Listen, we, we, we say, they shall see God. And we're thinking about our vision, but wait a minute. It's more of a perspective, it's more of an attitude. I can see God in every situation. I remember it's not been just over a month ago that I'm laying in a hospital and I saw God in my situation. And faith began to interact and began to work there. And I'm here today because of it. Listen, understand what I'm saying. Not that I'm perfect, not that I'm, no, but why? Because I didn't lose my focus even though I was going through a test and a trial and And I'm I'm trying to help somebody this morning that no matter what you're going through, listen, I know, I know whatever you're going through is so overwhelming, but if you'll just get your mind back on the Lord, if you'll just get your focus back on God, if you'll just say, you know, what? I know you meant it to me for evil, but God did this. God brought me to this place and God's going to do something here. Why? Because the pure in heart shall see God. It comes down to honesty. It comes down to integrity and sincerity and that lack of hypocrisy. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the presence of God. Really quickly, the second part of this that future aspect. Paul wrote it this way, scripture you're familiar with in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12. Though now we see through a glass darkly, but then we're going to see face to face. Other translations say we see through a, a glass in obscurity, or another one says we see puzzling reflections. If you went back and looked, ancient mirrors were made of polished stone or metal, and, and, and they weren't clear. The reflection was dim at, at its very best. But I want someone to understand, here's what the book of Revelations chapter, 24, or t- chapter 22 verse 4 says, and they, speaking of we, shall see his face. The greatest hope that all believers are ever going to have is to see God. Listen, I understand what I'm saying. I, I, I know one day I'm going to be like Job, and I'm going to see God's face. I understand that. But I want to go just that. There's a future aspect to seeing God. But right now, and no matter what's going on in my life, I want to be able to see God in that situation. Just a few months ago, my children said, we feel like God wants us to. Moved to Michigan. And I said, well, I don't feel nothing like that at all. <laughs> We've heard from God. I ain't heard nothing from God. <laughs> Baby, give me a Q-tip. I ain't hearing this. I got upset about it. I was mad about it. I'm like, "Well, It's easy to let something divert your focus. This cannot be the will of God. It's the will of God for them granddaughters to grow up around me. That's the will of God might be the will of Jeff, but it's and we bring listen to me, we bring the will, we want to bend the will of God to our will. Now listen, you're I don't want you to feel just because you have a different attitude about something right now, listen, you're human and you're going to deal with that. I dealt with that. And it would not make me happy. Pastor could tell you it would not make me happy. That vein was popped out. I was getting upset. I was talking about putting somebody in a crab trap in the bottom of the bay. I don't know, some guy named Tackett, I don't know, who take my babies away. I was mad. I was upset. I just cannot be the will of God. But here's what happens. When you, have, when you allow God to empty you out and fill you with his righteousness and begin to put mercy in you and begin to talk to you about the purity of heart, and you get to a place when you can be sincere and honest and remove all that hypocrisy, God can begin to show you, this is my will. And you can begin to accept that. And so what I'm saying is, look, I, I've tried my best to explain to you how that's pure of heart. But don't get upset if you're not in always in exact agreement with God right at that moment. But here's the difference. The impure will never find God in their circumstance. But the pure, at some point, at some time in their situation, are going to find God in it. Whether it's in creation or whether it's in my circumstance, it may have taken Joseph all those years to say, you know what? I don't know. Maybe Joseph got it on day one. I don't think so. But I think at some point, Joseph said, ah, this is what this is all about. And God had a purpose in this. I I can't imagine that anywhere in 41 chapters that that Job said, man, I get it, God. You had to do all this to bring me. No, I I don't believe Job. But Job maintained the right attitude. Job was mature because God had already called him righteous and he'd already, he wasn't going to let that negative stuff fill him. He wasn't going to eat from the buffet of anger. And he began to listen to me. And he just said, you know what? He got to the end of that. You go back and read it and he said, now. He said, I've heard of you, but now I see you. And I promise somebody that whatever you're going through this morning, God is in your situation. He's going to turn it around, maybe not how you think it should be or what you think it should be, but he's going to bring it to work it for his good, for his glory in some purpose, in some time, in some way. Bow your head and pray with me. Father, I pray for us as people. I plead the blood over our humanity. We struggle sometimes to see you in what's going on in our life. But I pray, Lord, that your word has been able to impart to us the truth of a circumstance and a situation. I pray, God, that I could be patient with you when I struggle, when I go through things. I pray, Lord, that the the, the men and women that are here in this room would be able to be patient with you and understanding that we may not understand all that you've got going on right now, but God, someday, somehow, sometime, we're going to see that we're more important than the lilies, we're more important than the birds of the air, that you are going to take care of us in Jesus name we pray God right now be filled with the faith of righteousness Lord help us to be pure in heart God in the mighty name of Jesus amen amen I think it'd be appropriate if we gave the Lord a hand clap Amen. sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there to get to our destination we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to on you, i going to on you,